This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football. For at least another week. Yeah. For the very last time, we're going to recap a weekend (laughs) of Pac-12 football. Uh, That's sad, but we're going to do it. We'll get through it. We'll try not to cry. And yeah, we this is we're back uh, simulcasting or whatever you want to call it, being live on our YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash uh, Pac-12 podcast. So if you're joining us live, you can get in the chat, ask us questions, talk about the fun Pac-12 weekend, the Pac-12 championship game coming up, all of that. You could talk trash to us. That's what we love. We love all that kind of stuff. You could also email us if you want to send in a question. We got a bunch of questions, even though we just recorded on Friday. We got a bunch of emails in Pac-12 podcast at gmail.com. You can also call or text us at 424-532-0678. I think we got at least one text and a voicemail to get to. And you can tweet us at Pac-12Podcast. If it's a uh, just kind of a measured tweet, it's probably coming from me. If it's more all caps with 
uh, cuss words in it. David's probably tweeting it, but you can see mm. both of us featured on that Twitter account. And our website is packedfullpodcast.com. And uh, we always love the reviews. If you've got an uh, Apple podcasting app on your device, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever, leave us a uh, five-star rating there. We love it. You can follow us over there as well. I don't know if we got any new ones, Dave. Uh, not that I saw the last time I looked, but of course I wasn't looking while you were doing your preamble. No, we have none. We have no news. Okay. No new reviews. Mm. It's been 16 days since our last review. We got to get them. Yeah. Um, Which is also uh, 16 days since UCLA should have made the decision to fire Chip Kelly. Yeah. So do we that have... was the day of uh, the ASU loss. Okay. Hold on. So do we have some breaking news? Because I know no. uh, my friends over at Bro, Bro Report Online, who you work mm-hmm, for, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I read what they were saying. Yeah. Um, apparently, Chip Kelly was going to be fired. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now, that maybe it got, you know, set back a little because UCLA beat the crap out of USC. Mm-hmm. But then, we don't want to, like, spoil anything. We're going to talk about this game later. Mm-hmm. But those Bruins at home got the crap kicked out of them mm-hmm. uh, by the Cal, the Sturdy Cal Golden Bears. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks. I got the cover on that one. Um, mm-hmm. So, I assume there was just a delayed week Mm-mm. of firing because mm-hmm. like yeah they scored mm-hmm. 38 against usc but 10 against arizona seven against arizona state seven against cal like that's not a right. good offensive those play. numbers combined don't equal the 38 against usc and you add the utah game still doesn't equal correct that. correct yeah. you add all those together i tweeted that out like four like here usc fans four games ucla played they scored a total of 31 points and they scored 38 against you yeah that would be 31 versus 38 um, so we're just delayed, right? Do we have? I don't know if it's not yeah, broken. it's delayed. I think it's delayed until about <laughs> November 2024. Okay, would oh, be my guess. So longer than I, th- I thought it would just be this weekend. You would think so, but no, it's just going to be a longer delay. You know, a lot of paperwork. Okay, you paperwork. seem happy about it, so that's no. good. I've, I've read your tweets mm-hmm. and the, the, mm-hmm. you're supporting. I, I think, I was, I think you about, can read them as supportive. Yes, uh, I mean eight and one in mm-hmm. out of conference games since this decade. So eighty seven point five percent. Pretty darn good. I get it. I get why you want to keep them. And I I'm, I support your decision, and you're putting your support behind uh, Chip Kelly in the Big Ten and beyond. I can. Uh, I can. I, I will not. I will not even confirm that in a joking manner. Uh, yeah. I mean, at this point, um, it's Monday at one thirty-four for those not listening live, uh, to not watching live. Um, shame on you. Yeah. Shame on you. Uh, if UCLA somehow made a you know gigantic pivot and decided to fire Chip Kelly at this point, it would be the latest firing I think since Bob Toledo. Um, so I, I don't see it as uh, very likely. Um, looks like this is going to continue. It shouldn't. It's a uh, it's a very 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 obvious situation I think to anyone who's not doing you know facetious trolling. Um, like my co-host, justifiably, for many years of it on my end. Um, but it's, you know, it's a decision that I think most Power 5 schools would be making right now, uh, especially most Power 5 schools who are intending to be serious about football, which was ostensibly the idea with going to the Big Ten. You know, hey, we're all going to get serious about football now so much money's going to be coming in. Um, and this feels much more like a decision or a lack of decision to instead just embrace being Rutgers. So... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's a tough, tough moment for a lot of UCLA people. Um, but we'll see. Maybe something will change. 
but as of right now, uh, it it hasn't happened, and uh, I would I would put it in unlikely territory. Mm. Uh, he says, Dave, will you storm the Wasserman Center with me and help me remove Chip as head coach? I guess some sort of coup. I guess would that be? It would be a revolt, or uh, I don't know. Um, it'd be like a. I mean, that's a revolution when you storm as a powerless people. So, yeah, I mean, it could be a coup. It depends on if you're installing somebody else. But I think you would tear down the power structures and intent, attempt to create a new thing. So I would say revolution, oh, okay. nation building. Nation building. Uh, yeah. Andrew says, would Chip Kelly make a good OC for Colorado? Mm, I wouldn't I wouldn't hire him to do anything uh, for a college football program at this point. I think his next chapter will be as an analyst somewhere. Oh, interesting. I don't think you can have him be an on-field coach Um because of the recruiting responsibilities. Turtles are good, says. The big, the bad news, uh, UCLA scored seven points in three games this year. The good news is they would likely be good enough for two and one in the Big Ten. Mm. So, good point. So, that's, uh, I mean, that's that's a pretty good winning percentage. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a rough one. We do have a super chat. Hey! Our buddy Colt. Um, Thank you, Colt. Shout out to Ryan being um, super guilty about reading my pick for the survival pool, uh, or I'm sorry, this is a, uh, he says before that he named me as a winner. Uh, if we get two minutes from Dave on his fourth favorite president, we're good. Oh, okay. so he didn't win. Yeah, I, I. So this was when you weren't there. Um, I did feel guilty that he didn't win. All right, so fourth favorite. All right, so that's I'm probably going some combo of like Grant. Lincoln and FDR. Do I have to go LBJ? Good God. Do I? No. Ah, so tough. Um, probably LBJ. I mean, you could maybe talk me into Washington, but he's a slaveholder. Can't do that. <laughs> I'll go LBJ. He was a big old Texan who was funny. Uh, okay. and you know, from a, uh, social standpoint, um, passed a bunch of stuff that was second only to FDR in terms of social advancement, civil rights act, all that good, happy, crappy. So even with the escalation in Vietnam, even with some of the walking back he did later on, uh, I'd still think you got to give it to LBJ. Um, it's really like as I've said many times, most of these people are just cretinous, uh, villainous, um, you know, ego-driven narcissists who should not be running McDonald's, let alone a country. Uh, but but um, there's been a couple of good ones. LBJ falls short of that. But again, if you're going into fourth favorites, you know, you got you got a, a just an absolute uh, murderer's row of villains to pick from. Mm. And uh, at least he did some you do good. Love your presidents. Yeah, at least he did some good while he was there. So, yeah, we'll give it to LBJ. Um, I, I think like John uh, says no Teddy. No, no, not Teddy. Um, Trust busting Teddy. He was OK, but he did, a, um, a, you know, a lot of horrible uh, you know, racist stuff, too. Um, so, yeah, he rode his horse a lot. We'll go LBJ. OK. Uh, very cool. All right. We also have some other actual uh, breaking news, just not trolling. Uh, you know, if the Pac-12 was still ex- in existence, this would be a bad sign, but um, obviously it's crumbled to nothing. 
Uh, our buddy, our pal, one of our favorite coaches in the Pac-12, Jonathan Smith. John Smith. Is uh, going to... Has gone. Yeah, he's going to Michigan State. Gone to Michigan State. Yeah, he is the second John Smith who has coached at Michigan State in the last, I think, 25 years. Yeah, pretty... The second one. Pretty amazing. And our friends over at Beaver Blitz said that uh, offensive coordinator Brian Lindgren, um, the running backs coach, the tight end coach, the offensive line coach, the DB coach are all going to uh, Michigan State uh, with with uh, Jonathan Smith. So. so so here's the the interesting thing about this whole thing that transpired is that Jonathan Smith, our John Smith, not John L. Smith, the other John Smith who coached at Michigan State, but the new John Smith coaching at Michigan State, uh, he, he opted for essentially radical transparency uh, here at the end of this coaching search, where first he, uh, as we talked about last week, he talked to John Canzano and basically gave the most, like the most extreme non-denial I've ever heard from a coach. It wasn't even a non-denial denial. It was just, yeah, man, my agent's got to look at things, uh, which was like, he's trying to be honest, but it also comes off as like, how the hell are you saying this the week of your main rivalry game? Like, how are you not lying right now? Yeah. Uh, he chose not to lie. And then he was interviewed, uh, I think it was yesterday, by some Michigan State people. And they were like, when did you know this was going to happen? And he basically said, I've known for a long time. <laughs> for a long time? That's what he said? Yeah, yeah basically. He's like, and yeah, it's like, I was going to leave. Man. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys realize it, but the conference I was in like crumbled around me. Yeah. So, Yeah. Well, I mean, like from a personal standpoint, you cannot blame him. I mean, okay, fine. You wanted to get going. But, um, I, you know, we'll talk about the Civil War in a second. But that game did not – I mean, one of those teams looked really competitive and the other one looked like they'd kind of laid down. Um, and I, I wonder how much of that was infecting them, uh, how much of this discussion, and also the fact that their coach had one foot out the door very obviously. Um yeah. Like almost literally, like he almost like left at halftime because he already had one foot out the door and he was like, oh, I'm just going to get my second foot out there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a uh, it's a sad day for Oregon State. It's a sad day um, for the, the remainder of the conference. Um, and it's just kind of like this end note to the conference. And it won't be the final one where it's just like, um, you know, it's one of the, we've been talking about this for a while, but it's one of those everything must go clearance sales. Right. Like just. And this is going to happen with a lot of the teams, too. They're going to get poached to players. Um, I think it's going to happen to Oregon State and Washington State, which is going to be truly sad. And then I think it's also going to happen to, like, a Stanford, to a Cal, because um, I think a lot of people will look at their situation as semi-hopeless. Um, hell, it might even happen to, you know, UCLA and USC, given their records and what they're heading into next year. So uh, there's just a lot of... Um, a lot of sadness associated with it. And I think for Oregon State fans, you know, I think you are correct to be bitter, correct to be angry about this and pick your targets. There's many. Uh, Jonathan Smith works. Uh, I think UCLA and USC work. All the other programs work. The entire state of college athletics works. Um, and now the hope is that you can, um, you know, get the right guy in place. I think there's a lot of talk of them promoting from within, get Trent Bray in and have him be the head coach. Yeah. Seems like a fine enough idea. I um, mean, he was like a linebacker coach two years ago and he'll be like, it could be the head coach. You know? uh, yeah. I'll again make my, uh, my, my point that um, especially now, given that the economics are going to change significantly for Oregon state and Washington state, uh, the old saw about, you know, do a differentiator, be something different. Um, I don't think it's the worst idea still. 
Um, but like triple option kind of yeah. Shit. But if you want to do you know see if Trent break and hold on to a lot of this roster and maybe um, continue the success, that's justifiable. Um, but man, uh, unfortunate, and it really does make you think. Would this have happened if the Pac-12 had stuck together? Like, would Jonathan Smith have moved on to a Michigan State? It's one thing to move on to Alabama or even, like, something lower than that, Mississippi. Like, it's one thing to move on to, like, a clear, like, okay, we're getting more resources in a better conference, the whole thing. Michigan State, like, they were they went to a playoff with Mark D'Antonio. But other than that, this is a middling Big Ten program. Like, it's not like it's a, I don't know. It doesn't seem, I mean, it smacks as a, of a jump up, obviously, from a conference this Oregon State, but you're basically going to, like, the, I don't know, Arizona State of the Pac-12. Like, the Arizona State of the Big Ten. It's just, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, it was it was um, unfortunate to see that. And, uh, obviously, you know, Beaver fans have endured a lot. And uh, you found a guy. He was your guy. He was having a lot of success, and uh, it just wasn't going to be enough in the landscape of college football. So, um, yeah, it's that's a tough one, tough pill to swallow. Uh, just on a tough weekend, um, I do have. I want to play something, uh, David. There was uh, I forgot who tweeted it out, but basically they were like the Pac-12 sort of um, on the. It was I believe this was on the Pac-12 network, and uh, you won't be able to hear this, but we'll play it. It's about two minutes long. It's like the obituary for the Pac-12, um, and it's uh, I'll play it right now. Yeah, good stuff there from the Pac-12 network. I don't know if you had seen that video, David. I had. Uh, yeah, uh, it's pretty sad. All the All Americans, all the just, just so much success, so many, and just it's gone. It's dead now. Yeah, yeah, super dead. Um, yeah, and a, a lot of people are posting like little memes and stuff. Um, I think the reality of it hit a lot of people uh, on Saturday. Um. Yeah, it's it's uh, extremely stupid and bad that it's happening. It shouldn't be happening. Um, but it is. Money rules the roost, and um, at least in UCLA's case, it appears to be the end all and be all. Um, so that's where we are. Yeah, it was sad. So I play. I wanted to play that for everybody. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, I don't. I probably won't have it. Uh, so we'll probably just skip that over. So you just get a little uh, brief. So if you're listening, you're like, what happened there? So we're, we show the video on our YouTube channel. So um, thank you for that. We, oh, we have, a, we have a super chat from uh, Rusty. Thank you, Rusty. Thanks, Rusty. Um, for just under five West Texas mics, can you share some of your favorite Pac-12 uh, moments from the season? God, there's so many. Um, I think my favorite was probably when they um, – they screwed up the end of the half uh, of Cal USC and then made USC kick the end of uh, half field goal. That was pretty awesome. After halftime. Uh, and then the best moment of that was when Justin Wilcox then iced the kicker with a first half timeout as the first yes. play of the second half. Yeah. That was probably my favorite Pac-12 moment. Um there was another good one during the UCLA game, but I can't remember what it was. It was another one of those, like, this is a first, like, I've never seen this before. Oh, it was when they called intentional grounding. Was it in the UCLA game? I don't even remember. Uh, where they called intentional grounding where the guy was off sides. And it's like, if he hadn't thrown the ball, he would have taken a huge hit on a play where the other team was off sides. No, it was in the Washington game. That was Sorry. the Washington game. That was the yeah. Apple Cup. 
Um, and uh, he threw the intentional grounding. And everyone was like, that might be correct, but that is the first time I've ever seen that called. So those are my two favorite Pac-12 moments this year. Yeah, there were some some great games. You mean actual? Oh, you mean actual things? Not no. Those are great rest. things. Those yes. are those are very Pac-12 things. Um, I mean, Arizona's sort of resurgence, and uh, I mean, they they lost USC in triple freaking overtime, like mm-hmm. on a two point conversion. Mm-hmm. Like that could have been a whole nother deal. Um, trying to figure out sometimes just week to week, trying to figure out. Like we just talked about UCLA scoring thirty eight points one week. And 31 points in four weeks total, like stuff like that happening. Cal going week to week, not sure what they're doing. Oregon losing to Washington, but then just destroying people on their way, you know, leaving them in their wake. And I think the the opportunity to be nationally relevant going into championship week where either Washington or Oregon is likely going to be in a playoff. And the fact that people are saying, like, here's a scenario where Two Pac-12 teams could make it, which doesn't seem likely. But, you know, to go you know seven years or whatever without a playoff and then being relevant late in the season, I think that's the most important one for me. Yeah. Uh, nice. Okay. Um, the other thing we were mentioned, Jonathan Smith. I don't know if you know this. He's, like, from the Pasadena area. Yeah, yeah. No, he um, born in Pasadena and yeah. went to high school at Glendora. Are there, are there any schools that play <laughs> – <laughs> their games close to there who might have been interested in potentially uh, jettisoning their uh, 34 and 34 head coach this offseason and hiring a new one. So you're not so you're now it's like another just knife in the back of Beaver fans. You're not upset that Oregon State lost their coach. You're upset that they didn't lose him to a different Big Ten team. You wanted him the, going to UCLA. He, he, here's how that's terrible. Here's David. how here's how down. Bad. Their own team. No, no, no. They have here's, a coach still. Here's how down bad I am. Okay is that Jonathan Smith would have been like my eighth pick. And it's just like uh, anything. It would have taken anything, man. Would have taken anything. Um, Like literally I would take you right now because you'd come in and that would be like, hey, it's a breath of fresh air. It's somebody new. He's going to try some new things. What are those things? I don't know. They're going to play volleyball or something. (laughs) But even you would be like it would it would feel like the program had a pulse right now. Yeah dead like flatlining um so yeah but yeah jonathan smith he uh he he was born and raised about i don't know five miles from the rose bowl mm. yeah uh we had so scott says um was it uh niner oh so who who rate oh it was um jonathan smith ran a fake field goal mm. on fourth and six uh with the kicker running the ball but it wasn't that was with two seconds left in the half mm-hmm. it was you needed to go like 40 yards to score like Mm-hmm. The, the getting the first down wasn't going to help. That was a really weird one. That was stupid. Yeah, very dumb. Uh, Rusty, ASU letting their OC call plays for the first few games is up there, right? So Kenny Dillingham not calling plays. Bo Baldwin, yeah, that yeah. was good. Holy cow! We're just hiring Bo Baldwin. That was a bit, yeah. So mm-hmm. we had a bunch of good ones there. All right. Well, why don't we do um, our Pac-12 roundup? I don't know if you saw the. Um, power rankings do you want to move at all you good with the way they are i'm dead inside okay yeah yeah so i don't care um so you know it was a good week for me uh four and two picking against the spread how did i do uh not so good (laughs) you were one and five yeah so we had three games that we Mm -hmm. went against each other i won them all so Mm -hmm. that was nice um and i think most of them were like convincing wins like the ones I've lost before, they've just been mm-hmm. like, oh, 
mm-hmm. backdoor cover or whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. these were like a dominating week. I shouldn't have listened to you the ones. Like you were really adamant about Utah. Like I was probably not going with Utah, but then yeah. I sort of like, you just talked me into it and I went with you. I should have just went against you, but um, I'm only three games behind you now, which yep. is kind of weird. I didn't think I was in this, but that, we're both still significantly above 500. Uh-huh. So that's uh, good. So I like that, but I did catch up a little bit mm-hmm. um, this this weekend. So um, but yeah, so we got some bad teams. Oh yeah. It's hard to rank like how bad. Yep. This one is was really, really, really bad. Stanford Cardinal. They're a number twelve team. They sure are. Uh the Notre Dame Fighting Irish came to uh Stanford and um this is a really funny game. Uh Notre Dame turned the ball over I wanna say it was four times in the first half, three times. It was something. Yeah. Something stupid. They had four uh, turnovers total, and I think they were all. Um, no, they, they had one in the second half, so there were three total in the first half. Yeah. Okay. Um, Stanford uh, was only able to be down by 12 after Notre Dame did that in the first half. So Notre Dame scored 28 while turning it over a bunch. Um, Stanford was winning early. Yeah. Yeah. They were up 16 to 14. Uh, I think it was even. No, it was 16 to 14. Okay, but there were like a, it was like thirteen seven or something too. I think like the, yeah, yeah, after the first quarter. Okay, uh, but their high water mark was at the point where it was uh, you know they'd come back they they anyway. Uh, from that point on, uh, Notre Dame outscored them forty two to seven. Ooh, not great. Um, their uh, running back uh, Estime. I've seen him. I saw him in person. Yeah, he ran for 238 yards on 25 carries. Mm. That's almost 10 yards per carry. 9.5. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's okay. That's not bad. Did he find the end zone at all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Four times. <laughs> Whoa. Seems like a lot. <laughs> um, you, you want to know how many times Notre Dame threw the ball? Just like threw it, like put it in the air to throw it? Sam Hartman, like the star quarterback, yeah, yeah, he yeah. must have thrown like 30, 40 times. They yeah, scored 56 yeah. points. I had to, I'm sure he threw it a lot. 15 times. Oh. And it was one of them was from the backup, Steve Angeli, which sounds like a, a fake name. That can't be real. Yeah. Um, from a ge- name generator. Like a made up walk on, you know. So Notre Dame ran for combined 381 yards Yikes. in this game. Um, yeah, Stanford was really, 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 really bad. Uh, about the only thing that was working for them offensively was Justin Lampson running the ball. Uh, Ashton Daniels was constantly on the move, constantly getting sacked, constantly getting pressured. Um, they played four quarterbacks in this game, most of them in junk time. Uh, Ari Patu and uh, Bo Nelson both came in. Uh, yeah, Stanford looked horrible. Uh, absolutely god awful. Um, and they did not cover. Uh, but it was only they actually. There was there was some there was some attempt to backdoor this one. They scored very late after not scoring at all for like the middle I don't know twenty minutes of the game. They scored a touchdown, and I was thinking, go for two, then score another touchdown, go for two, and maybe we'll maybe cover. cover the spread. But no, no, we didn't. Fifty six twenty three was the final. When you're like winning or like it's the end of the first quarter, Stanford's up six, and you're like, I'm getting twenty five and a half points. Like, okay, I feel pretty good about this. And then every time I kept looking. It was bad. It just got worse and worse. 21 points from Notre Dame in the second quarter. 21 in the third. 521 total yards. Um, yeah, that was not that was not good. If you're a Stanford fan, we need we definitely need to hear from um, the Zodiac Killer. You know, 
it's a fun experience going to Stanford Stadium. It's like this intimate setting. They have cool tailgating around there. Uh, you know, Stanford won some games this year. Do you know how many home games they won, David? How many? None. Oh, and seven at home. <laughs> they were first time they were winless at home since 2006. That just sucks. <laughs> you just don't even win a single game at home. Uh, Justin Lampson had 82 rushing yards out from the quarterback spot. That's the most since uh, Keller Chris did that in 2016. And Eric uh, Ao Minor did get over a thousand yards. So JJ Arcega Whiteside is the last guy to do that in 2018. Um, and uh, Joshua Cardi, 23 field goals made. It's the most. In program history, so there are little things like that, but it was bad. He made uh, a really deep one in this one. It was like fifty-four yards or something. Uh, he had fifty-six yarder. Yeah. yeah, it was the longest one made by a Stanford player at home on record. That's just excellence, right? There. He has eight fifty-yard field goals. Um, so stud. That was terrible. Like this really made me mad. Uh. I don't have Pac-12 Network. I was trying to get it, and I couldn't. I was like, okay, whatever. I'm like, oh, wow, they're winning. That's cool. And I just kept checking the score, and it was bad. It was bad. Um, okay. Next up, uh, we've got our number 11 team. Colorado Buffaloes. And our number five team. Utah Utes. I think we lacked a lot of information coming into this game about what was happening with Utah's quarterback situation because otherwise I probably would have gone Colorado as well. Well, we so Nate Johnson decided to transfer before the like literally after we recorded. just before the game. He's like, "Hey, I'm going to go to the portal." Like, "Oh, good." Did we know Bryson Barnes was out? No, I didn't know that either. Yeah. So it's like, "Oh, you the the top two quarterbacks aren't going to play?" Right. Okay, good. So they were and they ended the up top playing, two quarterbacks left. They you know. ended up playing something called a Luke Batari. He exists. Yeah. Um, we're, we're working on confirmation there. Um, and Colorado was starting, uh, uh, again, something called a Ryan Staub. Um, we knew that one. We knew that they were not going to play Shador Sanders, or we had a pretty good idea they wouldn't. Um, you know, I actually thought Staub played pretty okay. Okay. Uh, he threw the ball okay. It's true um, freshman, right? Like yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because we, we talked to... Um, Monster Tiger, and he said, if Shador goes down, they are screwed. There's just no depth there. So it's good that, you know, he looked he looked all right. He looked okay. Um, Utah just looked like they were going to be content to just run this one and, and try to uh, essentially just kind of keep it away from Colorado. And it kind of worked. I mean, they ran it for 268 yards on 53 carries. So, you know, that's that's pretty good. It's a little over five yards per carry, and they just try to kind of play keep away. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a dominating game, and I don't think anyone no. would have predicted it would have been if, uh, uh, again. They were not going to cover by two. Maybe this information was easily had, but I was coming off of Hawaii, and you were coming off of Thanksgiving, so it was, uh, you know, not available to us. Or it's just Utah being typical Utah and not divulging any of this information. Yeah, they could One of the that. two, either our ignorance or Utah or a combination. Um but the end result was actually a pretty shockingly competitive game. Right. When you kind of, this was another one we got wrong. We had uh, Utah minus 21. Um, lots of injuries on both sides, obviously. Uh, Utah was pretty bad in the red zone. Let me pull it up. They had, uh, they had two touchdowns, five trips, two touchdowns, and three field goals. But they had opportunities to kind of score some points, you know, touchdowns in the red zone, and they were just kind of kept out of it. Um, 
which, you know, understandable when you got your fifth string quarterback or whatever in there. They actually were somewhat efficient, though. 7 of 13 on third downs. Um, this wasn't like a typical Pac-12 game. Colorado only had 600, I mean, 262 yards. Utah had 329, and most of that was um, rushing. So Utah, there's the third team in the Pac-12 era to attempt 10 or fewer passes in a game. And Utah's won all of those when they've done that, which is kind of funny. Um so yeah, it's uh, Utah's was four and one in this year in one score games, so they were able to kind of win some of these uh, close ones. Um, I thought Sione Vaki had another good game. Uh, he had a what sixty eight yards on uh, seven carries, so he he's you know he's kind of been a bright spot. Showed some speed. <sighs> yeah, this was just sort of like kind of ugly and. It sort of was just like both teams just needed to get a break. So finish this game, move on. You know, for Colorado, like, holy cow. Six straight loss. They started off four and two, and they lost six straight. Um, second straight year, they've ended on a six-game losing streak. I don't know. They've lost some commitments. I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with Colorado, but this is going to be a really interesting offseason for Coach Prime. Yeah, going to be super interesting. Uh, we'll see how uh continuously attractive uh that program is on the transfer market because that's where they're you know they've they've got to butter their bread on the uh transfer market and um you know it's going to require a lot of nil commitment but also requires people still being attracted to that program um and i think you can sell for an eight but after the way they started the season it does feel like the balloon got deflated a little bit can you reinflate that? Can you reinflate the excitement uh, going into next year? And I think there's easy things to point to. Well, the offensive line was trash. We need a new offensive line. Um, but there's also like these like kind of odd dysfunctional things that happened, like demoting Sean Lewis. Um, yeah, which, weird stuff. Which didn't seem to you know ignite the offense in any real way. Um, and then you know just. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, but um, they go into a new environment, new situation in the Big 12. Um, and certainly they've got a very good recruiting head coach. They've got a very good recruiting staff. So I would imagine the talent will once again go up a little bit. Um, just to question whether they're going to get that line play. Because everyone's going to be looking for linemen on both sides of the ball. Um, can you get enough of it to be more credible next year um, throughout the balance of the season? Yeah. We got super chat from Ben. He had also said, why compete for the biggest donation? He gave a dollar. Well, because we'll talk about you longer. But now we won't because you gave a dollar. But no, we appreciate you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, One-fifth West Texas Mikes, I guess. Um, okay, let's see. We've got, uh, what game is up next? Uh, we have our number 10 team. Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> and our number three team. Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> Oh boy, um, yeah, this was emphatic. Um, it felt we like we both had this right. We, this was the, your one win, yeah. ten and a half uh, points. We thought uh, Arizona would cover it, and they did. Yeah, and they were. Little. Yeah, they covered this in the first half. Covered it in the second quarter, midway through the second quarter. Um, yeah, Arizona won fifty-nine to twenty-three. Um, so Arizona State coming in. It was first announced that Jaden Rashad was going to start our Chris Cartman. Okay, first, before we go any further. This is so weird. 247 Sports is still running our 75% off yes. deal. Annual subscriptions. I just named Chris Cartman. 
does a fantastic job at ASU. Uh, he's he's got all the scoop on what Kenny Dillingham's going to do in the transfer portal, how he's trying to acquire donations in NIL, all that good stuff. You can get all the inside scoop on ASU at sundevilsource.com right now from Chris Cartman. 75% off. That's like 27 bucks for a full year subscription. Jason Shear, Wildcat Authority. I don't think in the modern era there's been more exciting moment in Arizona football than right now. Yes. Sounds like Jed Fish is going to get his extension here pretty soon. Um, he's talking about bumping up the salary pool. They're going into the Big 12. Very exciting. Get in there as well. 75% off, 27 bucks a year. Great deal. You'll be part of a community of a bunch of crazy fans of Arizona, Arizona State. All good stuff. Do it for all these sites. If you, you know, if you still appreciate UCLA and USC for some God knows what reason, we don't know why. Uh, also sign up for our sites. Uh, we'll have all of the good information and analysis and, um, at, at worst, it's a place to cry collectively, right? You with a bunch it. of your friends, it's therapeutic for Thera- twenty-seven bucks for your whole year, like twenty-seven dollars, and you therapy, get free therapy. Yeah, if you go to therapy, one session, what's cost you like one hundred fifty bucks or something, or two? Who knows? Well, like as that. I've explained many times, this is a place to get your crazy out. Like yeah. you can't do it in other parts of your life, so pay twenty-seven dollars and do it on our message boards. It's fine. Like just don't curse at us, and we'll be pretty cool with you. Um. Anyway, back to the game. Uh, Chris Gartman does a great job at Sun Devil Source. He reported that uh, Jaden Rashad was going to start. Yes. And then he was a few minutes late to a team meeting. Uh, and so instead of him starting, Jalen Conyers got the start at quarterback. And it looked pretty good. I think it was like their best drive of the day. They call it the Hellcat. <laughs> yeah. Because he would get the direct snap. Yeah. yeah they drove, They got to touch that on the first drive. Yeah. So uh, they it was- bench Rashad, <laughs> who was like just coming back. And yeah. like, you got to be on top of your game. Well, and like, if I'm going to be honest... Uh, Jaden Rashada coming back for this game, it was nice for him to get some game reps. Did his play uh, make this more of a blowout for Arizona than it otherwise would have been? Probably. Made a lot of bad throws. Uh, Threw two picks. Just looked rusty. And that's totally understandable. And it was good for them. This game, you know, it mattered, but it didn't matter. He was 10 of 22 for 82 yards. It was important for him to get game reps, but at the same time, did it cost them a chance at a closer game? Probably. Um, In any event, uh, Arizona, the story of this game, the story of this, in a lot of ways, this Pac-12 season uh, is Arizona um, and just the way that they have put together uh, this incredible run through the back half of the schedule. Uh, They're now 6-0 with wins over, at the time, ranked Washington State, ranked Oregon State, ranked UCLA, and ranked Utah. Blowing a lot of teams out. I mean, UCLA was a semi-blowout. Utah was a blowout. This one was a blowout. Um, Been super impressive. And in this game, no less impressive. Noah Fafita was awesome. Threw for five touchdowns, 527 yards through the air. Um, Tedero McMillan was incredible. Just absolutely incredible downfield. Um, Average 25 yards a catch on 11 catches. Just insane. (laughs) Absolutely insane. Uh, Jacob Cowing. Not to be undersold, uh, had 157 yards uh, on nine catches and one of like an out and out drop that would have gone for a touchdown as well. Um, these two guys were just absolutely incredible. Um, Tanner McLaughlin was also really good, um, had a good rumbling, stumbling um, first down at one point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they were just um, they were lights out through the air and Arizona State had no answer. And I think what happened with ASU was basically they shot their wad. And I think there's still enough for you to be excited about it if you're an ASU fan. 
but there's a lot of stuff they need to work on. There's a lot of talent they need to acquire, and they just need to get healthy at some key spots. Their offensive line, you know, we've gone over it a bunch, but they've lost a lot of guys this year yeah. to injury, um, and they clearly need some better health luck next year um, and more talent in the portal and and in recruiting. I think it going to the right. This is sort of like when Fish took over the team that had lost 20 straight games or whatever. Like you kind of could see some signs of life, and I feel like the same way. There's going to be some ugly games like that swinging gate, whatever that worked against UCLA. It's not, you know, they just, they just didn't have the horses to kind of keep up in a game like this. For Noah Fafita to throw for 527 yards, four touchdowns, it was 30 of 41. Arizona super efficient. Like they just kept drives going. They would get explosive plays, but they could drive to their eight or 11 on third down. They got in the red zone seven times with five touchdowns and one field goal. Is that good? That's pretty good. Um, 619 yards for Arizona and 306 for ASU. So doubling up on the yardage. Um, it's their biggest win in Tempe. Uh, the previous was a 35 point win in 1953. This was a 36 point win. Um, new territorial cup record for TMAC, 266 receiving yards. It's the second most in Arizona program history. So, I mean, a lot of, uh, just, I mean, just amazing numbers. What you're saying, 25 yards. You're catching 11 balls, and you're averaging 25 yards to catch. Holy cow! Uh, Elijah Badger didn't play in this one too, so I think that's uh, that was a big one. Scadaboo did have 108 yards. He looked he looked pretty good, especially early in the game. Um, yeah, just, he showed a lot of want to. Like there were a lot of runs that should have been dropped a lot earlier, and he grinded for the uh, like, extra yards like early on when you're like i think arizona's defense pretty good like he was sort of making him like oh maybe they're not that good but yeah it just it was just too much it was just kind of like you're trying to you know it's just that your ceiling's coming down around you're trying to like hold it it's just there was no way they could keep this going so um as you know as you good effort but it was like this this was just going to be a buzzsaw and Arizona is playing at a very, very, very high level right now. So um, can they sneak in and get a New Year's Six Bowl? Probably not. But, I mean, I don't know if anyone wants to play uh, Arizona right now. Well, all they needed was Jonathan Smith to not have his foot out the door and actually try in that game, and maybe they would have had a chance for a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, oh, if uh, knocking yeah. out Oregon. Yeah. They would. They needed another game. They needed to win the Pac-12. Yeah, that would have been, uh, that would have been like a, a good one there. Okay. Next up, we had, let's see, it was, oh, we got to go, uh, what did we call this one? This was Territorial Cup. Uh, we've got, should I give them a, do you want a growl or a meow? Mm, I want, uh, give them a growl. Okay. Come on, we're friendly. Washington State Cougars. <laughs> we got them at number nine. Uh, we could probably move them up, I guess. Uh, they're number two. Washington Huskies. <laughs> Now, they played a really competitive game. I'm not sure how much of this is whatever whatever they've improved or shored up for Washington State in the last couple of weeks or how much of it better. is or how much of it is whatever malaise is taking over Washington over the last mm. more like 6 weeks. One or the two, but um once again, Washington played a very um mm, what's the word? disconcerting game. Uh, like the signals that Yes, disconcerting signals. Uh, they're giving off some disconcerting signals, I think, to yes. Husky fans. I think, um, you know, where I think everyone was like, oh, wow, they looked, you know, pretty even with Oregon at the very least after that game. Those two programs have kind of gone in a different direction since then, and Washington's undefeated, so it's not that significant of a different direction. 
but they haven't played nearly as well. Um, this game, I think, you know, my eyes were kind of opened. First, their defense really struggled, really struggled to tackle um, in this game, really struggled to cover. Um, and it seems, this is just my layman's eyes, seemed poorly schemed. Uh, a lot of times playing mm. very passive coverage in situations where they needed to get the ball out quick. And so if you're playing passive coverage, when the quarterback needs to get the ball out quick because you're trying to put pressure on him, uh, he can't easily get the ball out quick because you're playing passive coverage, right? Right. Right. You got to marry those two things. If you're going to play where you're trying to get a lot of pressure, you got to play tight, right? This is, this isn't rocket science. No. Um, tight up there. Yeah. Uh, they were doing a lot of that uh, and they didn't tackle well. Um, and then offensive line, uh, Kind of big dookie in this game. Uh, they weren't very good. No. So they ended up winning uh, on a game-ending field goal as uh, as Michael Penix stared into uh, the medical tent. That was pretty awesome. So he couldn't look. He didn't he know. Like, he, you at home knew who won the game before he did. Yeah, he, he couldn't look. Um, and, you know, I mean, uh, it was – so I think for Washington State um, – Cam Ward, I think, saved his season a little bit here at the end. Uh, he still wasn't great in this game. It looked still a little bit more like the old Cam Ward uh, from last year. He was getting a lot of pressure, too. Yeah, it didn't look like – but I will just say it didn't look like the Cam Ward from the beginning of the season. And Washington did start to apply more pressure as the game went on. Um, they actually ran the ball kind of surprisingly well. They did, yeah. Uh, Nikia Watson. Um, but, yeah, I would just say Washington – doesn't look like a dominating force right now. Um, and they've got a lot to figure out this week. Um, if they're going to be, I won't say competitive in that game, but if they're going to be the same team that was able to beat that Oregon team, yes, with a few Dan Lanning untimely, um, uh, misses on fourth down. Um, if they're going to be a team that's competitive in that game and, and able to win, they got to fix a lot of stuff this, this week. Yeah. Um, we had a comment, um, something's wrong with Penix. Tons of speculation. Hard to say what exactly, but something has been off for a while. The flu came and went, and he got a little better, but this is not the same guy. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll see if there is something wrong. Usually you're not going to say anything because if there's like, you know, playoff race, Heisman race, you don't want to say, oh, yeah, he's torn a, you know, knee ligament and he's going to get it fixed after the season or something. So I don't know. I'm not sure what's going on, but there's a lot of kind of talk out there. What'd you think of the roughing the passer? Yeah, well, I'll get to that in a second. Um, so this was Washington was favored by 15 and a half. Uh, I took Washington state. You took Washington. Um, I mean, Washington, it took them a while to score 15 points. So uh, that was something there, but I felt in general, it didn't seem like the refs were helping Washington state all that much. There was a fourth, I think it was a fourth and 11 or fourth and one. I forget what it was. It, but they like had gained, I think, 10 yards and it looked like he might have got the first down. Um, but it was really close, but they put him a yard short and they reviewed it and they said, no, he was short, which I think he was short, but he was also like a few inches short and they kept him a yard and then they yeah. tried to uh, sneak and it didn't make it, but it should have been inches. Yeah, it not... should have been. It was like half a yard at most. Yeah. And I don't know why they were doing that. Uh, the crowd was into it. Washington State had a ton of false starts uh, in this one. I mean, that was really killing them. Um, the fourth and one for Washington on your own 29 with the game tied. It was a couple minutes left or whatever it was. They run that like end around to Roma Duze. And, yeah, it was uh, the orbit motion around the back. It was um, s super great. And I thought 
I that thought, was huge. I thought DeBoer was going to turtle right then. He did Because he came out and first they looked like they were going to like try to draw him off. It seems maybe later they were, uh, it, it, I don't know, something weird going on there. And then they called timeout and I'm like, oh, he just wasted a timeout to punt. And then they, they do that. That was so cool. Yeah, that was really cool. And then after that, so that was like, I think you kind of, you got to give DeBoer credit for like the balls to go for that. Like that's yeah. crazy. Um, but then they get that roughing the passer call, which just seems really nitpicky. Even uh, Heward on the broadcast was like, no, this is not. Um, and I felt it was, it, it set up Washington for a field goal. Uh, and I think that was kind of a demoralizing. It was a bad call. But the thing I would say is they were already uh, at or over midfield at that point. Yeah. Uh, that clearly put him in field goal range. It clearly put him in field goal range. I guess my point is, like, it wasn't like determinative. Like, it did. It was a. It was a notch in Washington's favor, but there was still more than enough time for them to just drive it anyway. Um, so, it's one of those things Washington State fans can certainly point to and say, "Yeah, that was a bad call," because it was a bad call. I just don't know if you know they had the ball with the the score tied and a chance to win, and they were already on your side of the field. It was. It was trending a certain direction anyway. Yeah. No, it definitely was. Um, John in the chat says it put him in field goal range. It did. Uh, Washington State outgained Washington 381 yards to, to 306. They did have the, the extra turnover, so that hurt them. Two turnovers to uh, one. There just wasn't a lot of scoring in this one. It was like, you know, it spread out. Uh, pretty much every quarter somebody scored a touchdown, and Washington had that extra field goal, and that was the uh, – the difference in this game, but you know, Washington's the first Pac-12 team ever, and it's the last year of the Pac-12 to go undefeated in uh, conference play. Um, so Oregon went 12 and 0 in the regular season in 2010. Um, oh wait, they're the first finished regular season 12 and 0. But I thought no one had finished was undefeated in Pac-12 play, right? Did Oregon? I didn't think Oregon did that. I don't think anyone's gone undefeated in Pac-12. Play. Yeah, their first. Uh, yeah. I said or they said. I guess Oregon did in 2010. That's what they're saying. Here. Not in okay. Pac-12 play. That was Pac-10 play. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in the, the Pac-12 it, it, era. Pac-12 era. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so that hasn't happened. Um, so yeah, the Washington six and zero in games that were decided by uh, one score. So they won some really close games, some crazy games. Um, they were do that. Roma Dunze had a. 1,326 receiving yards, so it's the second most in uh, Huskies history. So um, pretty impressive. Cam Ward, 317 yards, three touchdowns, but he had a couple of picks. Uh, but I thought he played pretty well when he wasn't, you know, when they weren't getting false starts or he wasn't getting yeah. sacked. Um, and Lincoln Victor, man, 11 catches for 88 yards. He was huge. Um, you know, Josh Kelly had eight catches for 106 yards. Uh, Kyle Williams had some big catches, five for 85 yards. That one uh, touchdown when it was like, was it like third and long and uh, Cam Ward threw the touchdown pass like at the end of the first half? Like that was a, that was a huge one because like it looked like Washington could have, they were up seven. It was 14-7. Washington could have scored whatever. I think they got sacked or something. Pedix got sacked and Washington State gets the ball. It looks like you might get the stop and they throw a touchdown pass. It goes into halftime, tied at 14 instead of, Washington potentially being up 14, getting the ball in the second half. So that yeah. was a big swing. That sort of like nodded things up and things got like tighter in the uh, second half. Yeah, absolutely. It was a it was a good game. Kind of ugly and frustrating, but a good game. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, all right. So good stuff there in the uh, Territorial Cup. I believe that's what we call that one. Yeah, the Territorial Cup. Territorial Cup. Okay. Uh, this one, we got our number eight team. I don't know if you agree with us. UCLA Bruins. And our number seven team, we've moved this team around a lot this year. California Golden Bears. I would just uh, put the grade for UCLA as incomplete or not applicable because they're not trying. Um, Cal beat UCLA 33 to 7. Mm. Um, yeah. I, I had Cal plus 9. Mm-hmm. I didn't do the math yet, but they, they covered they that. They covered that one okay. by uh, 35. <laughs> yes. Um, I thought we had nine and a half. Do we only have nine? I, we had nine other. Every the, the games that we went against each other, like I won by a ton. Like, yeah, no. Cal yeah. was getting points, won by a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Washington State, you know, 15 and a half, it was a three point game. They could have won. And then Oregon and Oregon State, like Oregon just blew them out. So, yeah. These were decisive wins for me this week. All right. So, micro level. We were like on the way wrong end of these. Totally. Uh, <laughs> micro level. Um, okay. UCLA lost this game. Mostly because Ethan Garbers got hurt on the first drive. That didn't, yeah. Dante Moore came in and looked like he had never thrown a football before. Is it amazing that, like, when you UCLA scored, you know, seven points or ten points, you know, in the last four, three of the last four weeks, and it's when Garbers wasn't in there. Like, he makes that big of a difference. Yeah. I mean. Like, it, it should be the case, but it it seems like if he's not in, UCLA's kind of screwed. I mean, he played against Arizona. Okay. So that was um, a ten-pointer. But anyway, uh, this one, um, it, it certainly didn't help that he went out. Um, they were moving the ball okay when he got hurt. And then um, Dante Moore came in literally on his first play, throws in an interception into the end zone into what I counted as quadruple coverage. It seems, I think that's fair. I think there were four guys there. One tipped it into another one's hands, but there were also two guys bracketing the receiver behind the receiver as well. Uh, there was no place to fit that ball in. Um, it could not have gone to the receiver, even if um, even if all of the DBs were blind. Um, I think the only way it could have gone to the receiver is if uh, one of the one of the DBs was actually a mirage or uh, ephemeral in some way. Mm. You know, like uh, more more gas than solid. That's the only way. Yeah. He's like kind of a turnover machine somehow. A little bit. I thought this like late in the season, maybe that would, you know. No. Admitting, no, it's, no. He's still. So the story It's almost like game, you're looking to like throw it in a place that could go either way. True. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he threw that one. Uh, then later on, he threw another one midfield-ish. This was just to a dropping linebacker, a relatively normal pick. Uh, you know, guys throw those sometimes. He also had a fumble on his own 11 uh fumbled it away obviously just that kind of game uh fumbled it away on his own 11 where he kind of just stood there like a statue that was very weird yeah it looked like he glitched it was <laughs> it was kind of like that like everything else was still moving you know yeah and he just it's like there. one of those like did you hear when, a whistle <laughs> when you when it was one of those effects when you're watching a thing where it's just like like one thing pauses but everything else is still moving around and the guy that's going to sack you is still moving and you're standing there like like you had given the, like if you had handed the ball off, you're just standing there. Yeah, um, but he still had the ball in his hands. Yeah, that was really weird. And then um, the, Cal scored a touchdown off that. 
And then uh, Colson Yankoff, uh, who's the 6'4", 230-pound guy that Chip Kelly elected to uh, handle kickoff returns this year. Mm. Normal. That seems normal. Very normal. Um, does he have a good burst? No. No, he doesn't. <laughs> Can he hold on to the ball? <laughs> no. He's fumbled twice this year, and I think he's only returned like eight balls. Um, he uh, fumbled it away. Uh, hat right on the ball, popped up directly into um, – a Cal player's hands. They scored a touchdown off that one as well. They did, yes. So UCLA turned it over four times, um, and two of them turned directly into Cal touchdowns, and one wiped out what should have been at least a field goal attempt for UCLA. Yeah. On top of that, UCLA gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown mm. uh, to Jade Knott. So like the running back did that? <laughs> yes. He, he looked good on that return. Like He was just like... Once he kind of got through that first hole, you're like, oh, go. Oh, yeah, wow. No, he's he's gone. like gone. Yeah, so Jay Knott did that. And then UCLA also, as is customary, missed the field goal. Um, so you add all that up. Um, that's pretty bad. Uh, the defense, I thought, didn't play very well. But, eh, you know, whatever. Cal, let's talk about Cal. Cal's more fun. Cal's, Cal's an enjoyable football program. Uh, Fernando Mendoza uh, threw a couple of bad picks himself, um, which was really – uh, the only reason this wasn't a supreme he, blowout. Yeah. Like, it really, there was one that was just like, he almost threw a pick doing? six to a defensive end. Uh, yes. Leatu uh, Latu. Uh, yeah, that, like, he threw it right at him. Yeah. You know? uh, but other than those two plays, he was really, really solid. He had some big plays downfield. Uh, didn't look flustered at all by UCLA's pass rush. He only took one sack. Um, yeah. This is probably one of the better quarterback performances against UCLA's pass rush from a quarterback who was part of a, you know, a not so great team. Noah Fafita and obviously um, DJU had better games, but uh, this was really impressive. Um, and they ran the ball okay. Uh, they grinded uh, UCLA down at the very end uh, when it looked like UCLA quit. Um, so, macro now. Macro? Ready for the macro? Sure, yeah. The macro is Cal is now bowl eligible. Yeah. Um, Congrats to uh, Justin Wilcox. Who probably kept his job. Yeah. Uh, UCLA is 7-5, and 4-5 five, and five in conference. Uh, they lost three of four. Uh, they lost to a previously five and six Cal team. They lost to a three and nine ASU team, both of those games at home. Mm. Uh, the only team they've beaten in the last four weeks was a team that was somehow nosediving even harder than they are. <laughs> um, as of right now, again, we're at 2.28 p.m. now. Uh, UCLA has not elected to fire Chip Kelly. I'm going to probably announce that on every podcast we do until that actually happens, which might lead to 52 weeks of a very interesting comment on every show. Uh, they've not elected to do so. I can't think of a Power 5 program that's intending to be serious about football that would keep Chip Kelly heading into the Big Ten next year. Mm. It's hard to imagine, given what they're going to lose defensively, what the booster and donor situation is with him at the helm, and what that means for NIL and what that means for transfer portal acquisition and recruiting. I don't know how you do this. Yeah, it's a tough one. <laughs> um, it's 50-50 call. But I think you, you got to keep – you got to give them more time, I think, just personally, you know. <sighs> uh, winning record. Even go, you're uninspired go, by this. You can't board. even do this. You can't even make this case. Well, he beat the crap out of the team I cover. So what am I going to say? Like, yeah, look good to me. Um, but he looked bad in the other games. Uh, this was, you know, I, I want to give Cal credit because I feel like 
They wanted it. They wanted it bad. They did. I mean, UCLA last week against USC wanted that one. But it seemed like that's all they cared about. Like, we're going to beat USC and the rest, it doesn't matter. USC, I thought, would care about beating UCLA. They didn't seem to care that much, and they didn't really show up for that one. But UCLA showed up two weeks ago, and they didn't show up this last weekend. Um, Cal cared. They wanted to win. Uh, I've been a kind of Cal believer probably for two years where I felt like they they had some – and then every time I'm like, oh, yeah, they're going to cover that spread or they're going to – and they just kind of shit the bed. But this was one where I felt like UCLA would kind of come back down to earth and Cal would score enough points that, like, you know, they might – I thought they would lose, but it would be, like, by seven or three or something like that. Didn't expect this. Uh, But we've seen this a lot in the second half of the season. Like, some teams just aren't going to show up, you know. And collapse, you know, we've seen the Colorado collapse. We've seen teams collapse second half of games, just not show up. And uh, we, I wasn't sure who was going to show up in this one. And Cal did. And, uh, you know, give him a lot of credit. You know, I, I like the way Mendoza's been playing. He did have a couple of really bad picks, but it's a tough pass rush from UCLA. I mean, the Bruins, five red zone trips, David. Uh, one touchdown. They scored seven points in five red zone trips. One touchdown, missed a field goal, and then turned it over three times. So all three turnovers were in the red zone. Um, that was tough. Uh, this was the largest margin of victory for Cal ever in the Rose Bowl. Um, or it, again, at UCLA. They had, the previous one was a 25-point win back in 1963. Um, it's the first time that since 1979 that Cal won their final regular season to become bowl eligible. So that was cool. And uh, Jay Knott is seventh on Cal's single-season rushing yard list with uh, 1,260 yards. He was okay. He had uh, 21 carries for 80 yards, plus he had that kickoff return for a touchdown for 100 yards. You know, uh, Mendoza only threw for 178 yards. He had a couple touchdowns in those two picks. But I thought he managed the game pretty well, especially when UCLA was kind of turning it over and sort of, you know, uh, giving them some opportunities. But Garbers was 7 of 9. Until he, you know, he left the game in the first quarter, and then Dante Moore just, you know, those two picks were bad. Um, you know, Logan Loy, I thought had some big catches. Uh, there were some, you know, he had some good plays too, but there's just there was just a too many screw ups that you're like, okay, this is not going to go. You needed to be clean. Like I think Cal was playing a game where if you played them clean, you were a better team you would get the win. But if you're going to make a whole bunch of mistakes, you're going to give up a special teams touchdown. You're going to fumble on a kickoff return. Like that's just not, you're not going to win those. No, you're not. I just saw a really funny meme of, um, uh, uh, Chip Kelly and Martin German, uh, walking Joe Pesci, uh, the scene where he's executed in Goodfellas into the room. And it's UCL, uh, it's uh, Chip Kelly and Martin German, um, superimposed on those two guys yeah and then ucla on joe pesci's face and then he gets shot in the head and dies yeah we got manscaping talk in the chat good so evs skipped the game to go on a date and then amy uh asked if he manscaped he says it and he was totally manscaped so he was manscaped for his date i guess it went well so instead of watching ucla lose to cal uh he went on a date and Manscaped. So that's, that's so that, great. That's the kind of stuff that's going on in our chat right That's now. a great thing. I, I think this will free up a lot of people's Saturdays. And I think people, um, yeah, we're, we're going to get to the Pac-12 championship game in a second, but I know there was people that were, um, I know someone was selling tickets, and I believe Amy was looking for a ticket to the game. Uh, we got her hooked up with uh, John and Brea last year when USC was in it. Um, I don't think he's going this year, but uh, I think if you're if you got an extra ticket, 
or if you're selling a ticket, people were talking about in the chat. So you can kind of um, check that out there. Okay, we got one last game to get to. Uh, we have number four. Oregon State Beavers. This was the Apple Cup, right? Uh, <laughs> number one. Oregon Ducks. Yeah, a bit of a bloodbath. Um, Oregon won 31-7. to seven. Um Never really felt all that close. Oregon State's run game was never able to get going. Um, And without their run game, this wasn't going to work. Um, We saw last year they could even come back from a huge deficit with their run game. But if if Mm. Oregon's able to shut down their run, you can't pin it all on DJU and a bunch of 5'8 receivers and hope to beat Oregon. Yeah. It just wasn't going to happen. And that was really the story of this one. I thought Bo Nix played really well um, for Oregon. Uh, he's now kind of vaulted to near the top of the Heisman odds. He is. Um, which is cool. Good for him. Um, I know a lot of people knock him for, uh, I don't know, completing a bunch of short passes. but He does. But but he completes a lot of them. He's yes. completing almost 80% of his passes. I don't care how short those fucking things are. He was 82.5% in this one, 33 yeah. of 40. Uh, yeah, no, uh, he can uh, he can absolutely go go grab a Heisman. That's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, there wasn't really that all, all that much interesting with this one. It was just kind of a, uh, you know, uh, kind of a beatdown. And, and the unfortunate part was how much of it do you think was the news that came immediately afterwards and, partially yeah. before that Jonathan Smith was out out of there um you know not engaged so was there a lot of talk before this game yeah I, Nicole Arbach uh reported it before the game that they had zeroed in on you know they did the code language for he's he's going to Michigan State after this one wow. so that had already come out uh I think that morning so and then there was like buzz that maybe he'd talked to the team about it early in the week to like block out the noise but then they're like what the fuck Anyway, um, disappointing end to Oregon State season. Uh, I will say they ended up eight and four. And what did I predict preseason? Eight and four, baby. Um, nice. And, and Oregon finished eleven and one. They get a rematch. I think the rematch that we all look in a just world where we see Arizona. I think that'd be fun. But this is the rematch of you know one of the best games of the Pac-12 season, and I think everyone will appreciate seeing it on Saturday. So uh, you can't fault that. Um, and this this guarantees that for sure um uh yeah so i got this one right again i just the way oregon's been playing you just felt they were kind of buzzsawing oregon stayed away from home hasn't been the same um i didn't think i thought revenge would be a factor um dan lanning but you 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 mentioned bo nix i mean he has he has 315 completions this year so that's an oregon single season record uh he beat Marcus Mariota had 304 back in 2014. He is on a lot of the Heisman stuff now. You look at the, you know, yeah, his, I think he was in the top five of like, you know, passes, whatever, distance from the line of scrimmage, like close to the line of scrimmage. But he's got guys making plays. Troy Franklin's been incredible. He had uh, nine catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. Um, he has 14 touchdowns. It's most by a Pac 12 player since JJ Arcega Whiteside had 14. Um, so it's you know he had five straight games with a touchdown catch. He's been the number one guy for sure. Uh, looks great. But Tez Johnson, you know Bo's uh, adopted brother, he had eleven catches for one hundred thirty-seven yards, um, sixty-two yards after catch. So obviously you're you're making some plays there. 
Uh, Oregon State just wasn't doing much. They were 3 of 11 on third down, 273 total yards. Like, that's not going to get it done. Oregon had 480. Um, so it's the sixth all-time uh, Pac-12 uh, you know, championship game appearance for Oregon. So it's the most anyone's had. Um, and uh, Troy Franklin is now Oregon's career touchdown receptions leader with uh, 25. But, you know, Damian Martinez, 13 carries, 28, 38 yards. That's just not going to get it done. Uh, DJU, 221, 220 yards. He had a touchdown and a pick. They just couldn't get much going. Oregon was just like, they were dominating this game. You know, 21-7 at half, and they just sort of uh, shut them out in the second half. So this was uh, this was an ugly one for Oregon State. So Oregon looks really good, and it's setting up an amazing uh, Pac-12 championship game uh, on Friday night. Which yeah. uh, that we're talking about. Uh, I, I mentioned in the chat, I don't know if anyone, if people are going. You're not going, right, David? Uh, no, I'm not going. Okay, I will be there. I'll be at the game uh, in the press box. USC has a basketball game against Gonzaga on Saturday night. So it's kind of a double dip weekend in Vegas for me. But if we want to do some sort of meetup, or I would want to do some sort of meetup, some David won't be there. But maybe Friday before the game would be easier. If someone's doing a tailgate party or something, uh, let us know uh, or let me know. Just tweet at us or whatever. Uh, we'd like you know get people to meet up and stuff. Uh, that'd be a lot of fun. Potentially Thursday night, but I think Friday before the game might be better. Yeah. Any other stuff on that game? No. Uh, thoughts on the championship game, Washington and Oregon? We're going to do a preview show, I guess? Yeah, we should probably do a preview show on that game. Yeah. that football game. So before I leave Thursday, we can do it. Maybe we'll do it Thursday. Maybe we should. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, that would be good. Yeah, we'll have uh, – we can do our usual time. I think the time. early line is like Oregon's favorite by like nine or something. Is that is that right? Uh, have you looked at a line yet? No, I haven't. Let's look at it. Because that's uh, – that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, it will be an interesting one. There's a lot of interesting things going on in the Pac-12. For the last, yeah. Uh, Oregon's a nine and a half point favorite. Yeah, nine, I mean, that seems like a lot. Yep. I kind of feel like Washington isn't impressive in winning, but they're keeping shit close. You know, like, I feel like that's too many points. Just my initial, I haven't looked yet or see what I'm going to do, but um, yeah. All right. Let's see. Okay, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and uh, answer your questions back in a minute. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. 
there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Well, we've been going a while. We've uh, been going a while. Yeah. Is it like you got to get going? Nope. Okay. Now I got probably 10, 15 minutes. Okay. We'll knock some of these out then. Uh, we'll show, uh, okay. We'll do Eric wrote in um, a controlled rushing the field. He says, hey, guys, looks like something on the UCLA, someone on the UCLA football staff is a fan of the pod and heard about the abuse UCLA students endured when they tried to rush the field back in 2006 because after the Cal game, Fans are invited to walk on the Rose Bowl field. However, with the kickoff being 7.30 p.m., it seems like the earliest anyone would be able to access the field will be close to midnight. Doesn't seem like a lot of people will stay long enough to actually go on the field. This is so UCLA. Anyways, thanks so much for the weekly pod and all the hard work that Dave puts into keeping the show up and running. I don't know where the show would be without the Herculean efforts of Dave. Thanks from Eric. And it's uh, uh, No, no, the funny part, Eric... Jerry Newheisel video he shows like where he's asking everyone to, to come out on the field. No, yeah. no, the but funny don't, part. Don't take down the uh, the, the, the goalposts. The goal okay, made me clear the funny that. part and the part that is actually this is so UCLA is to do that and invite fans onto the field and then get smoked by Cal by twenty six fucking points at home and then retain your coach. Sorry, I'm yelling. Go ahead. You did yell a little bit. All right. Next up, this is from Ryan and Carlsbad. Question for David David Woods. Hola, David. One of Ryan's defenses for Lincoln Riley is that, quote, he won a Heisman. While we can all acknowledge this achievement, and it is definitely something for fans to hold on to, does the logic hold water for you as it relates to Riley? Giving you both contract extensions, Ryan from Carlsbad. Um, it's a, I think it's a way of saying the same thing that everyone says about Lincoln Riley, which is he's got a really good offense. Um, if you have a really good offense, you're going to have guys who compete for Heismans, and they're going to win Heismans. Um, so I don't... I don't think it's um, I don't think it's like a logic like not holding water. I think it's just a way of rephrasing what's already true, which is he's got a really good offense. The questions about him as a head coach um, are separate from his achievements as an offensive coordinator, as an offensive mind, and that's a that's an offensive achievement is having your quarterbacks win Heisman trophies. So um, the answers that he needs to get are. Uh, can he figure out a defense? Can he figure out a defense at a good enough level that he's you know going to be able to uh, win big at USC? Can he figure out recruiting in the NIL era? Because uh, that's not a guarantee at this point, given what USC's been doing. And in the immediate future, because I do think there's going to be an element of, all right, you really got to show something now. How's What's his plan for the post-Caleb Williams era? 
what's who are they going to look at in the transfer portal? Because is it is it going to be somebody on this on this roster right now? Is it going to be somebody in the portal they try to get? Um, but who plays quarterback for that offense next year is, I think, uh, one of the biggest immediate future questions, along with those kind of macro ones as well. Yep. Uh, all right. Here's a uh, voicemail. Quick one for you, David. Hey guys, question for David. With Dante Moore looking totally flustered with any kind of pass rush, should you Chip try to use a swinging gate formation similar to how Dillingham cleaned his clock with? Is that it? Uh, I think so. Um, yes. So this is the point I made after ASU and the point that should have been obvious to any administrator at UCLA or anybody with any power in determining whether Chip Kelly stays at UCLA is that the coach with no talent on his team with holes in a bunch of different spots uh, coached around it, did the thing that you need to do to try to win a game while the one with no holes who I don't think suffered a real injury on the offensive line all year. Uh, just had a bad offensive line due to development issues and uh, bad talent acquisition practices, uh, did nothing to mitigate that and got injuries to, uh, yes, all three of his top three quarterbacks. Yeah, that one, uh, that guy uh, should probably um, not continue in his job. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, if uh, if his goal was to actually succeed, win games, uh, keep his quarterbacks healthy, then yes, he'd be doing creative things with his quarterbacks instead of dropping them back to pass. Oh, I don't know. Uh, so UCLA threw the ball, I think, 48 times against Cal, um, and they dropped back to pass, I believe, 59 times of wow. 83 plays uh, with an offensive line that couldn't block Cal and a quarterback who was shaky. Uh, not a game plan to win a game. Uh, not a game plan uh, from a coach who cares about winning games. All right, moving on. This is from Brian from SLC. Thank okay. God David isn't a lawyer. First of all, I would like to thank David for sparing the world from dealing with him as a practicing attorney, although his LSAT score was way better than mine. Second, I'm a Utah fan, and I have loved this zany, stupid league, so I thought I'd share my most memorable 13 Utah-related Pac-12 moments for each year. Lots of pain in some of these memories. One, 2011, Utah loses to 1-10 Colorado at home and misses out on the first Pac-12 title game. Ooh. Two, 2012, Utah sucked this year. I got nothing. 2013, a mediocre Utah team rising up to beat Stanford at home when they were still good and not ass. 2014, Utah beating the last good UCLA team on the road with a quarterback who couldn't throw a pass longer than five yards. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate you reminding me about Nate Orchard sacking Brett Hundley like eight times. 2015, beating Oregon on the road 62-20, to only to later have Travis Wilson throw three picks and lose to USC on the road. 2016, blow a game to 4-8 and eight Oregon, allowing Colorado to win the South before Utah. 2017, lose on the road at USC because Troy Williams couldn't look at a wide-open receiver on a two-point conversion. 2018, losing the worst Pac-12 title game ever, 10-3 to to Washington, and noodle-arm Jake Browning on the flukiest pick-six ever. Jake Browning started a game in the NFL That's this right, week. baby. Uh, 2019, blowing the Pac-12 title game to Oregon after steamrolling the whole Pac-12. 2020, COVID sucks. Who cares? 2021, finally breaking through and killing Oregon twice before blowing the Rose Bowl because Utah had a running back playing corner. 2022, getting to the Pac-12 title game on the stupidest route breaker ever, then spoiling Utah's season and making, then spoiling USC's season and making Caleb Williams cry. There was a typo there. Yeah. 2023, 10 billion injuries and David buying a pig farmer shirt. Love you guys. Best Pac-12 show. I look forward to every week. Brian from SLC. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Brian. 
Uh, William says, end of, end of the regular season, and there they go. Champions of the pack. Aww. I don't know what that. We also had a uh, Kyle in the chat says, David, what's a better job in your opinion, UCLA or Michigan State? Michigan State, they try. Uh, wow. Next up, this is from Bob. Two Pac-12 team, and I mean at a program level. Obviously, the players try. I'm not denigrating the players. But at a program level, Michigan State is serious. UCLA isn't. Uh, two Pac-12 teams in the playoff. Uh, so what do you do, to be honest, right now about this scenario, which isn't too far flung? Georgia beats Alabama, so two lost Bama is out, Georgia in. Michigan beats Iowa, Michigan is in. Oregon inches by Washington, so Oregon in. Texas loses to Oklahoma State, so two lost Texas is out. Florida State loses to Louisville, so Florida State is likely out. Now the only other team other than Washington that could make it in is Ohio State. Who do you think would get that fourth spot? Washington seems to have a better resume because of their wins against Oregon State, Utah, USC, Oregon, and Arizona. But I feel like the committee loves Ohio State, and Washington hasn't played great recently. Yeah. I think it'd be a coin flip. I think it'd be tough. I mean, Ohio State, I, people are saying there's, they're out for sure. But like a scenario like this, potentially. But I still think you get Washington. I think Washington would get in over this. I think Washington should get in uh, because they would have their only loss would have been in a rematch where they have already shown that they can beat that team. Whereas Ohio State wouldn't have even made their uh, title game. Like, you know, I mean, I, I think there's a valid, valid argument for Washington that can be fairly made. And I think it would be fairly made. And I think there is, I, I would say... I guess my point is there is a live scenario where the Pac-12 gets two teams in this year. <laughs> yeah. Matthew says uh, they take Ohio State. I don't know. I, I kind of think they would take Washington that one. Yeah. What do you know, Stanford grad? All right. Also, what about another scenario where it's the same as above, except Michigan somehow loses to Iowa? Now we have two slots available, Georgia and Oregon are in. We would only have these four teams with just one loss. One loss, Michigan, with wins versus Penn State and Ohio State, but lost to Iowa. One loss Ohio State with wins versus Penn State and Notre Dame, but lost to Michigan. One loss Washington with wins versus Oregon State, Oregon, Arizona, but lost to Oregon. One loss Florida State with wins versus LSU and Clemson, but lost to Louisville and doesn't have their starting quarterback. I think Michigan would still be in. I think Michigan's in. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would be a that would be a bad loss, but like from a college football playoff standpoint, it's actually not that bad. Yeah, you know, we all know Iowa's a trash heap, but you know, the metrics still like them. Okay. We got Brian, dear Ryan and Dave, uh, as I sit on my brother's couch here in Louisville, Kentucky at 1.35 a.m., I have to wonder, is the UCLA program really funded well enough to succeed? Dante Moore's helmet came off earlier tonight, and I noticed his chin straps are at maximum looseness. Clearly, this means he must be sharing his helmet with another player, and it's not fair to judge Chip on this team's performance when they share equipment and have no gloves. Get this man more helmets to go along with that filet and lobster, and he will be on a roll. Long may he reign. I was watching it with a friend who's not a big football fan, and she's like, his neck is so long. He was wearing that, like, um, turtlenecky right. thing. Play the breaking news thing. Okay. Oh, whole car. Uh, you want me to go through? or Just play the breaking news thing. We interrupt this program for breaking news. Chip Kelly's going to be retained at UCLA. He's retained. Uh, do I have like a rejoice, you know, or something? Or uh... hold on, they're gonna be ass, <laughs> huge ass. <laughs> What's that from? I don't know. It's just I, uh, had, I had it in there. Yeah, that's a little grace note for us to leave on because I got to get going. You got to get going. Yeah, okay. Did we, were you done with the question? I, I got distracted. By we did, we didn't finish, but it was kind of a trolling question, so we could kind of. Oh, like, okay. 
Well, I, I accept all trolls. Trolls are great. He said, on a serious note, you have to fire AD for not getting rid of Chip pre-USC and missing out on even having the chance to interview Jonathan Smith, only to get boat raced by Cal, right? Love the pod. And David, I would say, I'm sorry, but I'm laughing hysterically right now, so I'm not sorry at all. Go Beavs and fight on. Yeah, I would say, just as a final note, I would say it's a, uh, you know, um, I'll probably have more measured thoughts later, but a dereliction of duty. Um it's the worst fear um, that you would have had after UCLA decided to go to the Big Ten is that they were literally just doing it for the money um, and had no intention and no plan of being serious about it. And I think this is just confirmation of that. Um, now, we'll see if they get serious. I think next year is probably going to be a bloodbath in a lot of ways. Um, and maybe that'll force them to be serious. But um, they decided they weren't going to be this year. And uh, I, I think there's been, you know... All of you out there, you're Pac-12 people, so you you remember at least as far back as the Jim Mora era where UCLA was, you know, like not – they weren't winning titles, but come on. They were respectable, and they had like 70,000 seats and people in the seats. Um, it's been decimated, and I think the future is uh, – especially next year – is potentially very bleak. Uh, from a fan engagement standpoint from and it's already been kind of bleak and this i think is just another just absolute blow to the head of any fan who was still somewhat engaged so um i think they've misjudged things drastically as is often the case with ucla um i think there's going to be blowback but even more i think there's going to be this profound silence um even more than there already has been and i think that's going to be the signal that people are just going to move on. Um, and maybe that's what's wanted here. Maybe it's uh, to get that Big Ten money to inure themselves from the fan base and just be able to cash checks and be Rutgers. I don't know. Kind of disgusting. So you're kind of mixed on... Yeah. I, you know, I've got mixed feelings. I'm pretty ambivalent. All right. Well, we got to get out of here. You're done? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Not, not because of that, just because you actually are running. Yeah, no, I got to go pick, pick up, up kids kid. and stuff. Okay. We have a few questions left over and we can get to those um, when we do our preview show, which, you know, it's only one game, so it shouldn't be too long when I say that and it'll probably be long. But thank you for doing that. If you do want to uh, have some kind of meetup, if you're having a tailgate, you're a Washington fan, you're an Oregon fan, um, let us know if you want some uh, random POC listeners to show up at your tailgate. Uh, we'd love to kind of have a little meetup there before the game and uh, talk to some of you guys. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up. That's David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye.